Welcome to the Stevenson Harwood's Pensions Podcast for November 2022. You can subscribe and listen on iTunes and Stitcher or by visiting our Pensions Hub at www.pensionshub.com. I'm Naeem Noor, an of counsel in the Pensions Advisory Team, and I have with me Julia Ward, the team's senior knowledge lawyer. Today, the topics we will look at include the regulator's expectations of trustees with regards to managing investment and liquidity risk, as well as their roles in mergers and acquisitions. We will also consider the regulator's updated enforcement policy and the recent PPF levy consultation. First of all, however, we will look at pension dashboard developments. Thanks, Naeem. The government has now provided a response to the further consultation it held on the notice period to be given before the go-live date of pension dashboards. This is known as the dashboards available point and is the date that dashboards will be available to the public. The consultation suggested that the Secretary of State would give 90 days notice prior to the dashboards available point. The government's response to this consultation provides that the notice period to be given will now be extended to six months. The reason for the extension is to provide sufficient time for the pensions industry to make final preparations for the public launch of the dashboard service. An extension to the notice period is likely to come as a welcome development for most schemes. Responses to the further consultation, where the original 90 days was proposed, showed a clear concern that schemes would not have enough time to get the resources in place to deal with the anticipated significant increase in member queries that are expected after the dashboard's available point. Draft guidance has also been issued regarding the ability of schemes to defer their connection date. In-scope occupational pension schemes will have to connect to a dashboard service by their staging date. Trustees are able to apply to defer their staging deadline by up to 12 months. This must be done within 12 months of the coming into force of the dashboard regulations and at least two months before their relevant staging date. They can only make such an application if, however, before the coming into force of the dashboard regulations, They had either embarked on a programme to transfer the data held by the pension scheme to a new administrator, or they had entered into a contract requiring the retender of the administration of the scheme, the timetable of which is reasonable and would conflict with the staging deadline. Trustees would then also need to show that complying with the staging deadline would be disproportionately burdensome, or it would put personal data of members at risk. Draft guidance has been issued to trustees looking to use this deferral. The guidance makes clear that changing administrator alone will not be sufficient. Deferral will not be granted if the application does not include sufficient supporting evidence or if it is suspected a change in administrator has been delayed or undertaken deliberately to avoid needing to meet the connection requirement. Trustees should also have considered reasonable alternative options for securing compliance and determined these to be unviable. Both the draft legislation and guidance make clear that deferral of a scheme staging date can only be granted in very limited circumstances. Even when those circumstances are satisfied, trustees will need to show there was no bad faith in their timing in changing administrator. Clear documentation will need to be provided, as well as evidence that alternative ways to meet the staging deadline have been considered but are not viable. Trustees should not, therefore, bank on relying on a deferred staging date when embarking on their dashboard projects. Thanks, Julia. For our next topic, we will consider the regulator's expectations on trustees regarding the management of investment and liquidity risks in the face of current market conditions. These expectations have been set out against the recent developments with LDIs. 
Historically, LDIs have been a useful investment tool that protects schemes from adverse rise and falls in interest rates and inflation. LDIs achieve this by matching the assets of a pension scheme to its liabilities. The risk of kill yields rising is well understood by trustees and pre-planned for by keeping aside liquid assets, which can be used as collateral. However, it was the unprecedented speed at which kill yields increased at the end of September that created liquidity pressures. As a result, LDI managers urgently sought collateral. These pressures caused the Bank of England to conclude that there was a significant risk to the financial markets. Consequently, the Bank of England intervened in the gilt market to restore stability. The regulator has recommended that defined benefit trustees should review their operational processes to ensure their schemes can implement their liquidity and cash management plans quickly. They should also review their liquidity position. It is likely the balance of liquid to illiquid investments will have changed within the scheme. Therefore, trustees might wish to ask the employers whether they would provide additional collateral. In addition, trustees should review their liability hedging position. There may be market opportunities for some schemes to increase or replace hedging or lock in some funding improvements. However, trustees must consider the level of leverage and the implications of collateral calls at this time of high volatility. Some schemes may find themselves ahead of their target or expected position. The balance of risk in the scheme's portfolio may also have changed. Trustees should therefore also consider a rebalancing of their risk profile. Finally, as high yields impact transfer values, trustees should monitor the appropriateness of the assumptions used in calculating transfer values. Thanks, Naeem. The current economic climate has also prompted the regulator to set out its expectations on trustees with regards to their roles when their sponsor is undergoing merger and acquisition activity. Trustees are reminded to remain vigilant regarding protecting pension funds in the current economic climate. The regulator stresses that trustees must be robust when defending the interests of scheme members in M&A deals to ensure that member benefits are paid. The regulator highlights two ways that trustees can do this. First, trustees should support the ingoing and outgoing executive management teams to implement a robust funding plan. Employers have a duty to make sure that scheme members are treated fairly and equitably in major corporate transactions and should consult trustees about a proposed transaction. Trustees should encourage employers and bidders to communicate with schemes as the primary creditor when structuring a finance package and not to treat them as an afterthought. Second, trustees should be provided with direct access to the bidder and their advisors at the earliest opportunity in the transaction process. This will allow them to set out to bidders the liabilities in the scheme and begin negotiating protections for the scheme. If the proposed business plan is likely to impact the strength of the employer's ability to support the scheme, then protections for the scheme should be negotiated by the trustees. Ideally, a legally binding agreement should be reached with the trustees ahead of completion to avoid any weakening of an arrangement after the transaction. Thanks, Julia. For our next topic, we will just mention that the Pensions Regulator has published its response to the consultation on its draft enforcement and prosecution policies. These policies detail how the regulator will approach exercising its powers. The revised enforcement and prosecution policies are largely the same as the initial draft versions. Some changes to the enforcement policy include the regulator making clear that it would not usually expect to take action against trustees of transferring schemes in instances of pension scams and a new section on settlement. 
This provides that an outcome of the regulator using its powers may be that a settlement is agreed. In the consultation response to the regulator's prosecution policy, it makes clear that, other than for strict liability offences, it is unlikely to consider genuine, unintentional breaches as justifying the use of its criminal powers. The regulator has also published a new enforcement strategy alongside the enforcement policy. This strategy provides an insight into the overarching framework that is applied when selecting cases for enforcement actions. For our final topic, we will look at the PPF consultation on its levy rules for 2023-24. This sets out its proposals for how it will calculate the levy for invoices issued in autumn 2023. The PPF has noted a 200 million levy estimate for 2023-24, which is down from 630 million in 2020-2021 and 390 million in 2022-23. The PPF has redefined its funding objective to focus on maintaining financial resilience. The PPF has stated that this is a position created by excellent investment performance and reduced risk of claims. This means that the levy can now be actively reduced without risking the long-term security of current or future members and almost all PPF levy payers will see a reduction in their next levy year. The Chief Executive of the PPF has stated in a press release that he hopes schemes will use the reduction in their levy payments to further strengthen the position of their own scheme and improve the outlook and security for their members. The PPF expects its reliance on levy will further reduce over time. Thanks, Julia. That's all for this month's podcast. Further topics and deal can be found in our November snapshot. This is available on our Pensions Hub at www.pensionshub.com. You can listen to this podcast again and subscribe to the series on iTunes or Stitcher or on the Stevenson Howard Pensions Hub. Thank you.